when I look at an investment, I don't care about the timing. I don't care if the market is hot. I don't care if the market is dropping. There's always opportunities and ways to make money in any market, right? So the question I ask myself is A, can I cash flow this bad boy? And B, what are my exit strategies? That was a special clip from our guest, Tuan Trin. And I can promise you, today's episode, you want to make sure you grab your pen and paper or be in a spot that you're going to have a great memory because he's going to drop all sorts of knowledge. He refers to himself as a real estate ninja, and we're going to deep dive into his flipping business today. You're going to hear his formulas. You're going to hear his lead generation strategy, how many houses he analyzes to make offers, and what he sees as a strong offer. So if you have any remote interest or curiosity on how to make a lot of money flipping houses in real estate, especially in this market, you're in for a treat. I'm Rick Bob. Bosley. I'm the host. This is the Bosley Team Podcast, where we bring into you content for the Orlando homeowner, for the business owner, for the realtor. And so this is going to be today about flipping. If that's for you, then stay tuned. And if you like what you heard, then go ahead and comment, share it, subscribe it. And thanks for listening. So Tuan, let's start from the beginning of February 2021, Orlando. Inventory is low. Rates are low. Uh, price points are going up an average of 4 to 9% in different areas. Experts have alluded that we are due for a shift, yet inventory keeps saying no. Pandemic couldn't keep us down. Prices are still going up. Interest rates are staying low. This is what I've been hearing. So first off, do you agree with that, that the market a year from now will have a higher price point than it is right now? So I mean, a very long question. I apologize for that. That is a 35-minute answer question. But um, here's my thought on it, right? So everybody wants to time the market. Is the market going to shift? When is it going to shift? Yes. The answer is all the above. Um, So my question to you guys is, uh, are we out there just trying to time the market, right? If the market was right, am I going to buy then? You know, if the market uh, changed in pricing, is it the best time to flip? And the answer I have for you is it's never a good time and it's always the right time, right? When I look at an investment, I don't care about the timing. I don't care if the market is hot. I don't care if the market is dropping. There's always opportunities and ways to make money in any market, right? So the question I ask myself is A, can I cash flow this bad boy? And B, what are my exit strategies, right? So if you're out there timing the market, um, if the market changed tomorrow, what are you gonna do, right? If the market changed in two years, what are you going to do? There's always going to be a need for housing in Central Florida. You have a thousand people moving to this area per day. So, um, you know, when you look at migration patterns that are happening in 2020, uh, Florida always ranks in the top four. So, you know, to, to me, is is all this going to shift? Is all that going to change? Yes, but is it going to be? 2010 end of the world. I don't see that. So um, what do you think there, Rick? Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree that the floor is not going to fall out for a couple of reasons. The banks were not as reckless. Uh, buying and lending was not as reckless. And in 2010 was on the heels of a declining market three, four, five years in a row, as opposed to 10 years in a row of growth. So anyone who is in a financial hardship with unemployment or with furlough or anything else, they've got equity in their house. So they might be selling their house, but then they'll buy another one. So it's almost a switch cost. And we still haven't recovered from 2010 because the builders stopped on a dime. They stopped building. And the biggest challenge in this market right now is inventory. And so uh, between lack of inventory and like you said, a thousand people a day 
a thousand people a day. Now, is this a thousand people? So really, three hundred homes, or are we looking at a thousand homes when you look at that stat, Twan? I'm just curious there. I mean, it's not like a, a, a exact number, but right. I, yeah, they I, don't like uh, shut down the gate, but but that's an, an average. Yeah, a thousand homes in the Orlando MSA, right? So you you talk about Claremont, you talk about Lake County, you talk about Deltona, that's seen huge growth. So yep. some some of the urban edge communities, some of the outlying areas. Uh, they're all coming here, right? And they've been coming here. Um, you know, so economics 101, it's supply and demand, right? Right now, supply is low, demand is still high. Yep. What happens when supply goes up? You know, um, what happens when demand lowers? I don't see the demand dropping. I think interest rates are still there. I think it's still favorable to live in Central Florida. Uh, you know, no property, no state income tax, uh, sunshine year round, uh, except for today. But, um, you know, outside 42 of that. 42 degrees in Orlando here. Well, yeah. and I love what you are preluding right now because next week we've got Eddie Workinger from the Expert Real Estate Advisors. You know him from Lake County? Yes, I do. Uh, and I've heard this from several people that they are going out buying land and developing their own stuff because inventory is so low. Um, Tuan Tren, who's been our commercial guest on here, he's going out and, and building and developing. I think your broker is doing the land. same thing over there by uh, Camping Camping World Stadium, right? They're just saying, there's nothing for sale. I'm just going to go buy a lot and go build it myself. Yeah, so, Tony Nguyen is the commercial broker, not Tuan Tren, but that's uh, who I... Oh, who I, I say Tuan Tren, yeah. Yeah, Wrong sorry. Enough. I want to apologize to Tony there, not to Tuan, but apologize to Tony for mixing you up. Right. Uh, well, and I love the wisdom you said of, is it a good time to buy? No. Is it a bad time to buy? No. It just depends on you, your your ability and, and willingness to take a risk. Are you conservative? Are you a little more aggressive? Uh, and what is that strategy? So let's dive into that a little bit. If someone's been intrigued with getting into the real estate market, I want to stay in the flipping conversation today. Today is going to be about flipping. Do you have any flips going on right now, or do you have one in recent months that you can give us as kind of a a testimony to and walk us through what you found and why it worked for you. Uh, another loaded question. Yes, I'm closing on one coming up um, next week. It is uh, all the way down to the bare bones. Um, you know, I think there's opportunity there in terms of the flip side, right? So anytime I look at an investment deal, I want to look at multiple exit strategy, right? If I uh, rehab this house and it doesn't sell for what I want, was the rental market? If I if I wholesale it, what does that look like? So you got to have some uh, some different investment exit strategies out there. Um, in terms of the supply out there, I mean it's crazy. Um, I put in I average about one offer per week, right? Uh, in sending out offers, all cash offers, things like that, um, and I analyze anywhere from three to ten properties every day, right? Um, that's how I start my morning is I look at all these deals and see what kind of opportunities are out there. Um, when it comes to the investment opportunity, I think everyone is throwing money into real estate, right? So um, everyone's throwing money into real estate right now because, uh, you know, not to get too technical and, um, and talk about the economics, but you know, inflation is there. Uh, Federal Reserve went from $4 trillion to $7 trillion all in one year, and they're expecting it to go to $10, 10 trillion. So, so all, all the stimulation that we've had as a country and all the PPP as a country, all that's doing is increasing with the cost of milk and cost of gas and cost of houses. The inflation is happening. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So what you see is people are trying to throw their money 
into hard investments, incoming producing investments. So out of the five deals that I uh, wrote this year, uh, I've on the average, there was 10 to 15 other offers out there. Um, going anywhere from twenty-five dollars to $30,000 over list price. So it's very it's competitive as it stands right now. Um, I think that you're going to see a little bit more supply. Um, you know, once some of these forbearance come come due, uh, you know, you got six months, 180 days. There are a lot of people still hurting out there. There are a lot of people still trying to list their house and you know waiting for this COVID thing to end. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that answers all your questions. Yeah, I wrote I wrote a lot of notes here on the iPad, uh, but let's let's chunk this down. So if you're listening out there and you wanted do this uh there's one there's one number i don't have from you but you said three to ten properties a day you're looking at now is this just online or are you physically walking in houses i mean a, a lot of it starts online right a lot of it starts online and then it you can analyze deals um it, you know i've been in this business long enough that i can look at a zip code i can even go hyper local into the specific communities you know richmond heights i know they they sell from 150 to 200 right now. Um, same thing with Pine Hills. Um, so it, the physical aspect of it, I think we live in a world that we don't physically have to be there anymore. You know, we do closings, we do sight unseen. Uh, that's really the norm that we've been seeing. So, so you have no problem writing an offer sight unseen. If you can see enough data, there's enough tax information, there's enough pictures, you know, the neighborhood, you have no problem going in there. Absolutely so not. And, and even markets, I don't, I'm not 100% confident in. Okay. We wrote an offer in Merritt Island um, with one of the best realtors of realtors I've ever dealt with, uh, Christine DeAngelis. Um, she sent me a property. I have no idea what a Merritt Island is. I have no idea what I would put on a canal or the seawall was when we, we submitted an offer. Uh, unfortunately, we got outbidded, but you know that's yep. yeah. To answer your question. It, it, I don't need to see it. So with that, right, becomes risk. You haven't walked it. You don't know the smell, the feel, the touch. You haven't looked under the hood. Are you putting it in an um, inspection period? Or if you do that, are you pretty much always going to lose because other people are waiving that? Yeah, I mean, right now there is zero inspection periods, right? It's um, The minimum is at least list. And I don't even think you're going to get looked at at list. Um, you're going to say, Hey man, like I'm a cash offer. So is everyone else out there. Right. Yep, cash, yep. People always feel like cash is going to get them what they want and cash is what's holding them back. Right. Rick, if I gave you $10 million today, can you go out and buy me $10 million worth of property? Sure. Um, I, I think, you know, it's, it's gotta be a list. It's gotta be zero day inspection. Um, you know, and it's gotta be uh, no contingency. And I don't even think that that will get you a, a, a win, a winner. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's the, the, the very minimum of it. We're going to, we're going to get back on that. I do want to get back to the work ethic and takes in terms of what it goes. So looking at up to 50 properties a week to write one. So 2% of the properties that you analyze, get an offer. Well, anywhere from, you know, 8%, 2% to 8%. How many offers are you writing versus accepted? You've written five so far this year. How many have gotten accepted? Uh, I got one accepted. And, but that was the end of towards last year. Um, you know, I like bigger meaty deals, right? Everyone has their own investment mindset. I got a guy who does, you know, 56 flips a year, but his margins are a lot lower than mine, right? He's okay with netting five to $10,000, right? That's not my level of comfort. Um, if I'm going to do a deal, I'm going to spend some time. I'm going to spend my own money. 
the, the, the it's got to be a little meatier, right? So, um, you know, my comfort level is I need to net X amount of dollars. And that number for me is 40,000. Have I met, have I did, have I made less on certain deals? Have, have I made more? Absolutely. But that's what really I shoot for, for me to go out there and put my team to work put me to work, put my money to work. Well, what I like about that is you give yourself a margin of error. If you go out there and you do see that um, sight unseen, no inspection, and you've got mold throughout the walls, and it might eat into some of your profit, and, and you only make 25000 instead of forty, not what you wanted, yet you're still walking away with at least some sort of profit. So one of the, the tips out there, if you're listening as an investor or like to become an investor, is choose your model. Are you going to do one a month, one a quarter, and with that, choose your income? How much time do you actually spend on site? Uh, I've seen you swing some sledgehammers, but I don't think I've seen you with a paintbrush in your hand. So you want to go out there for the demo and then you hand it over? Or talk to me about your actual involvement with your flips versus what you outsource. I mean, I would tell you as a beginner investor or flipper, you got to know you got to know your stuff, right? So I think at the the first one, you know, I was out there painting, uh, overseeing the crew, you know, learning certain aspects of the business. As you get more comfortable with the people you work with, do you really need to be out there painting, right? Is that the highest and best use of your time, right? Um, if you're going to hire somebody and you trust them to do the work, then there's no point of micromanaging them, right? So to answer your question, you know, my next flip that I'm at, I pay in weekly visits just to see if there's any troubleshooting or things that I need to resolve. Yep. Um, those are the answers. Those are the things that uh, vendors can't do, right? They can't say, hey, man, like, do I need to move this wall? Or when they run into uh, trouble or issues, you know, finding solutions are, is, is tough for them. They're more as in, hey, man, I need you to paint this, this wall blue. Point and shoot. Is, yeah, they're going to yeah. point and shoot. Doors are told. They're not going to make a decision without your input, without your discretion for it there. Um, right. So so what I'm hearing is you be involved, yet it doesn't mean you could show up, even if you wanted to be hyper-involved, show up every day on your way to work and every day on your way home from work just to check in on it, uh, not, not to micromanage. And that's even overkill, but that might be for the overzealous helicopter flipper, right? Yeah, I, for me, I mean, there, there are some sites that I haven't, I haven't even been to. Right. There are some homes that I haven't been to. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that the, you just got to trust uh, you got to trust the process and you got to trust the people and the, the people that that you hired to actually do the job. So, yeah, I, I like to see the progress and see where where it's been and where it's going to go. I like the vision. Um, so, yeah, I'll stick my head in there every once in a while. But to, to micromanage them or oversee them, I don't think anyone enjoys that. <laughs> Um, which I appreciate. So Jason does have a question. Is there an optimal time of the year to flip a house? Does seasonality play effect with house flipping? What would you say if someone wanted to do just one this year, what would be the optimal time for them to get in the flip game? So there's never a good time, right? And there's always a good time. And I, um, I think that it's all about the hardest part of this game is finding the deal, right? Life happens year round. People die, people get divorced, and it's not like they only die in, in, in the winter, right? So um, to answer your question, I think that you just consistently have to look at it and look for deals out there. Same way we look for buyers and sellers, um, but this is just another avenue. Um, when yep. you go out there, you start turning rocks. You never know what you're going to find underneath. Um, but, yeah, there's no optimal time. 
it's, no, it's all well, and and, I, and you went back to your your coined answer of there's never a good time, there's always a good time. It's it's when the numbers make sense for you. So let's take a look. Fifty off fifty properties gives you one offer. Five offers gets you one deal. That's analyzing up to two hundred and fifty properties to get one deal. Yeah. And if you're looking to get ten, then for you you've got to figure out Tuan or consumer listen to this. Are you analyzing 2,500 properties this year in order to get your 10? And that's the work ethic. And I think a lot of people, you know, they watch HGTV or they see this slide here and they're going, wow, that sounds like a really great thing. I want to play that game. Yet it, it's a job and it's a commitment and it's consistency. And it's when you see something, you can go and you can move quick. You don't have that gun shy. You don't have the urgency. Someone calls you up, said, I've got a house in Merritt Island. You say, the numbers work, do it. Right. And then having that almost you know, the uh, locked and loaded, you're ready to pull the trigger. Um, I want to go back to your number, $40,000 per flip is your number. You're averaging more than that. When you listen to a lot of, you know, read books or listen to other podcasts with the general rule of thumb, they're telling you buy the house, do your repairs and do that for under 75% of the after repair value. And, and if the phrase is the ARV, are those numbers working or are you saying, don't worry about percentages right now, figure out your profit number and work off of that? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of books out there and depending on what you read, they say it's ARV minus 70% minus repairs. Um, so it, if you go by that formula, I don't think you'll ever be able to land something. Um, yeah, so to me, yeah, there's- say that again for people who might be taking notes or driving. They're saying whatever you could sell it for after it's flipped, that's the after repair value, multiply that by 70%. That's what you're going to make minus whatever repairs you've got. And that's the number that you offer. That's the, the, the winning formula and your suggestion or your experience says that's a formula that will not win in this competitive market. Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, it's not going to work. Because it's too much, too much competition out there. The supply is so low that I don't think anyone's going to give you a second look. Um, so yeah, hundred thousand dollar house. Um, you know, you buy it. Uh, the 70 percent of hundred thousand is seventy grand. If it needs twenty grand of work, it's fifty grand. So half off, half off, right? So is there anybody out there giving you half off on houses today? I mean, I, I don't see it. If you guys see it, give me a call. But I don't yeah. See it. Uh, I want to talk percentage-wise because, again, the analytical people out there, $40,000, what is your average price point of your seven units, uh, of your seven properties that you bought? That's a great question, Rick. I've never done the average. Um, I know that I've, out of all seven, it's $1.3 million worth of real estate. So what is that, about two hundred grand? Just shy of two hundred. yep. So okay. I've, I've done flips from a four hundred thousand dollar flip in windermere which was my first one um and then i've also done seventy thousand pine hill flips so uh, okay. there's not there's not a rhyme or reason there's a you know it goes back to is this a good time is it a bad time is this the price point that i want is it not it's just my gut told me that i could there's some opportunity there and i could make money there well and two hundred thousand just curious is that when you buy it or the arv when i buy it the arv is Closer to like 1.7. Um, so when you take 1.7 and you subtract 1.3, uh, it's the net of that 300,000 that we were talking about. 
So if we wanted to put a percentage around it, just at least as a baseline to bounce off of it, your average buy is 20, your average income is 46, you're at 23%. So if you buy it for 100, it might be you're making 23,000. If you buy it for 200, you're making 46,000. Maybe the one in Windermere that you bought for 400, you made 86,000. Is that as simple as that or does it never quite work out that way? Or when I say that, does that sound pretty true? Um, it really never works out that way, right? So the 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 house that I made the most money off of, um, I only paid a hundred grand for it, right? And it sold for two hundred. Um, the Windermere flip, I bought for three fifty, and my exit was four twenty five. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't look at it in terms of averages, and I know you love that, but uh, I never average out, you know, what each house cost and what I made yeah. off. Well, I'm looking for the for the analytical people. If they look at it, how do they know it's a good deal? You're saying forget average percentages and just say, what would you like to make in profit? Can you do it on this house, number one? Number two, if you can't, can you make cash flow if you have to hold on to it, make this thing a rental? And what does that look like? Have you ever done wholesaling? You you start doing a project, you realize it's more than you, you wanted, you want out, and then you end up just wholesaling it to somebody else. Have you Have you pulled that bail button? I have not pulled that button um, because I, I, it's not what I would want to do. Um, so yeah, wholesaling, it, I'm not going to cross it out. Uh, it's just not where I want to go with it. Okay. So my two avenues is, A, can I flip it? Uh, you know, Ideally, I want to hold everything, right? That's not the sexy, sexy part of real estate investing, uh, but that's really where you make most of your wealth, right, is the whole uh, side of it. The, the flip side will give you enough capital to go buy another hole. So okay. uh, if I could keep all the flips, I would have, but uh, it just didn't work out that way. So flip it to gain capital, hold to build wealth. Right? Correct. We've got three or four minutes left, and, and that's taking borrow time. Yet I think it's extremely important to give out that quick repair formula. Now we know that it's, it's not going to be exact, and we know that there's always going to be some surprises. Yet you had a pretty good just, just blanket that if it's – Light cosmetic work, which is paint floors, and that's about it. You're looking at about $10 a square foot. Did I paraphrase that correctly? Yeah, so there's a, there's a little spreadsheet that I use. Um, you know, I think it would help a lot of people at the very beginning in terms of if they don't know what things cost. But yeah, a light flip, uh, it's $10 per square foot. So if a house is a 1,000 uh, square feet and it's 10 bucks, it, it should roughly cost you $10,000. Um, what I found is materials cheapest. It's cheap out there, right? Um, everything goes from China. You know, things have been rising a little bit. Uh, you know, with roofing, uh, steel, metal, all that. Lumber, yep. rise, but a lot of that's inflation. A lot of that supply. Blah blah blah. But a good formula to have is twenty-five to thirty-five percent of your costs should be materials, and the rest of it is labor. Okay, 30% cost, 70% labor. So find some good partners out there that you can trust that can keep those numbers in check there. So 10%, I'm throwing on what we call some lipstick. I'm just putting it, making it smell good and look good, but not doing any walls, not adding in new cabinets, not putting any of the major roof or air HVAC. Uh, give me the next tier. What, what comes next? Then, I, mean, I think the next tier is 20%, right? That's if you have to uh, replace a major item, major ticket. $20, item. $20 a square foot, you mean? Yeah, so we're, we're $20 a square foot. So if you had to replace like one roof or one AC, um, what does that look like? If you had to rewire, replumb a house, what does that look like? So okay. 
I think it's one of those. It can't be both of those. Um, but if you had to do one of those, that's like a $20 a square foot thing. Okay. Um, the next one's $30 a square foot, right? So $30 if you had to replace two of those, right? What if you had to replace the AC and the roof? Um, and then your massive rehab gut, you know, you need kitchen, you need cabinets, you need bathrooms, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, I put that in the $40, $45 a square foot range. Okay. Where do you like to be? If you were to say, this is where I've got my most profit margins, are you in that 20 to 30 a square foot that needs more extensive work? Or do you like the light get in, get out? Um, you know, everyone's going to want to uh, get in and get out and make money quick, right? But that it doesn't always pan out that way. So to answer your question, I just want a, a deal that there's meat on it that I can dice it up. So there's not a, I don't box myself in. And I think there are a lot of analytical people out there, right? And for me, I'm very opposite, right? I feel like analysis paralysis. I'm not that guy. Like Good. people that will dissect things all the way down to the cent. I'm not that guy. I'm the guy that will jump in two feet and then, you know, make it work somehow. Say, or Dan, that's cold and that's shallow. Yeah. Have you been way off, burnt, lost money? And if so, what lessons did you learn that you can now share or, or not repeat yourself? Um, you know, knock on wood, I, I haven't lost money on any deal as of yet, right? Um, I think the, the one of my biggest learning lessons that I did learn was uh, – 2019 i bought two houses in college park right um bottom college park old house one owner been there 190 years whatever that number is they they were that was their first house they decided to sell it total regun so i did the burr method are you familiar with burr is i am yeah well, we mentioned that i think in a previous episode but buy rehab rent out refinance and do it again right both of those burn methods, right? So did my calculations, number of work, did a little rehab, refied it out. Next year, taxes become due. Taxes went from $1,000 all the way to $7,000. And I was like, holy crap. So what, what, what did I miss out on? I missed out on the, uh, what is it, protect your home, 3% property tax. Um, the, portability, the portability tax or the, yeah. I got you. Yep, homestead was removed. So I would say if you're going to do a buy and hold, if you're going to do burr, um, know you have to calculate that future uh, taxation or the present taxation, not what's just an MLS. So when you're out there, you're banging walls and you're painting and things like that. Those are some of the things that you know you don't calculate, and that's probably one of my biggest lessons that I've learned. Um, not so much the physical things in a house, but like just the back end stuff that, uh, you know, you got to button up a little bit. Great point. I love it. Great information. We could do this all day, but we are on borrowed time. Everyone else out there. Uh, hey, Tuan, thanks for jumping on and sharing some of that wisdom. And I hope you can join us for some future episodes that we've got because we're going to keep this going. We've actually got a hold seminar coming up in uh, April. So maybe I'll have you jump on and, and be a guest for part of that hold workshop uh, for those different books. And thank you for listening and joining us for another episode of the Bosley Team Podcast. I'm Rick Bosley. I'm your host, and that was Tuan Trin. He's a good friend of mine, great investor. So if you need any help buying, selling, investing, flipping, holding, reach out to either one of us. We'd be happy to help you out. If you liked what you heard today, do us a favor. Subscribe to it. Comment on it. Like it. 
And the best thing you can do is share it with a friend who wants to do it. We're going to be hosting some live webinars and workshops. So if you'd like more information about getting the workshop to really be a participant with investing and flipping houses, make sure you leave a comment on our whatever medium you're listening to this to. And we'll make sure we stay in touch. Until next time, we will have more episodes coming out. It is the investor segment here. So we're going to have how people are developing homes, buying and holding, 1031 exchange, private money, all sorts of things. It'll be a great time. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day and we'll talk soon.